¿Estás cansado de oír siempre lo mismo y escuchar la misma canción una y otra vez? Pues te damos la bienvenida a los podcasts de Autentia Desarrollo, donde os acercamos las mejores charlas técnicas de la comunidad. DevOps Days Madrid Growing pains going from an all operations team to being a development focused team by Russell Kalev. So I am Russ Kaler. I am going to present a sort of cultural talk about how my team has shifted in last year from being a operations and support team to being entirely focused on application development while not abdicating our responsibilities to our support infrastructure and infrastructure requirements. The title of the talk is Growing Pains. So a brief overview of the talk is we're going to have a introduction. Uh, we'll talk about the state of our infrastructure at the beginning of 2019. We'll talk about our initial approach to figure out how we can become a better operations team. We'll then talk about a sort of strategy, uh, strategic game plan that we decided to implement in order for us to achieve the goals that we wanted to deliver over the course of the year. We're going to talk about the specific results we achieved. And then we're also going to talk a little bit about what, what went well, what didn't go well for us. So I am Russ Kaler. I've been in the industry for a little bit over five years. I have a master's in computer science. I uh, work as an organizer for the New York City De uh, DevOps Days as well as the NYC DevOps Meetup. Uh, I enjoy painting. So this is a sort of flowchart for what would happen if we wanted to have a new, a new hire join our team at the beginning of 2019. And we would see that, like, th this is sort of a, oh, it gets clipped a little bit, it looks like. Um, but if we had a new, te new team member join our engineering team, how long would it take for them to actually be able to deliver a meaningful commit to a service that they're creating? So how, how long would it take from like getting hired to being able to say, okay, this is something that's now working, or, or a minimum proof of concept? So onboarding would take between three and seven days, and frequently would take longer, but our, our sort of statistics say that three to seven was the, the average time for most engineers from when they got hired to when they're going to be able to sort of get past that initial onboarding hurdle. Following that, uh, service creation is sort of... We labeled this with Garrett, but I don't think that's the best way to put it. Garrett is a code review tool that we, we used, and at the time we had a, a single mono repo, and so everything had to go through Garrett in order to get committed. Uh, in order to create a new service and have that paired with Garrett and everything else, that would take on average one to two weeks, which is another major delay when you talk about having a new hire join your team to sort of add like a several week long delay into getting anything started for them is, is not convenient. Following that, we had Jenkins as our deployment integration system. Um, most of the time runs through Jenkins would take about an hour. Now, this has since sped up significantly, but again, so like you push a commit up, and then it takes an hour to get feedback on, you know, did it pass tests? Like that's very slow. That's not meaningful. Right? People lose attention. Following that, our deployments would take on anywhere between 10 and 90 minutes, depending on your service, which again, this is very slow. This is not something that you get rapid feedback that you... You can't take something as like an error and immediately start iterating on, well, what, what broke? Uh, oh, also, for, for those deployments, we use Fabric, which is similar to Ansible. It's a push-based SSH tool uh, written in Python. Uh, our monitoring and logging was done in uh, SolarWinds and Liberato. Um, and then on Slack, we used that for alerting. We didn't have any other alerting framework at the beginning of 2019. So it was kind of a messy system, but it we at least had a linear flow to it, and I, th I think that has a nice benefit. 
So DevOps at Compass in early 2019 was very much a sort of like throw it over the wall model. It's a, more of a classic support systems administration model and not very much a sort of DevOps model in the sense that we have it today. Um, basically, one, once a request would come in, the team would work on it until it was finished and then it would be thrown back over the wall to the, the engineering teams. We had a small team. We started with about four people. It grew to about five, and that's more or less where it stayed for the entirety of the year. And a lot of our work was focused on responding to operational incidents and, and figuring out what went wrong in all these different various systems. Like if something broke in Jenkins, we would be responsible for fixing that as well as you know, understanding what's going on with uh, issues with EC2 or other systems. So our initial approach that you know we've taken a little bit of time, and so about I would say March, April of 2019, we started saying, okay, th this is not really an effective system. That we're we're doing a lot of work on putting out fires, and we're not actually making a lot of progress. We're not reducing the cause of the fires. And so we started deciding to ticket every support request that was coming in. We just and this was not entirely effective in the beginning. Of the, people writing tickets. People don't like to write tickets for hey, why why can't I, you fix this for me? Like that Slack requests are very simple, and the human nature of like, hey, can you help me out with this for five minutes? That makes a lot of sense. But at the same time, it doesn't when you need to understand where are you losing your time. And so having an accountable record of what happened and what you've been doing or what, what has been consuming your time, that, that really was important. And so we decided that we really needed to get good about having every request coming in be associated with a ticket. We decided to improve the onboarding experience. Now we've already talked that onboarding lasted from three to seven days and frequently would last longer. And so that one of the obvious pain points, and so that every new hire would have to go through this. And so if we could reduce the pain for them, that would in increase in the, a, a greater amount of available engineering hours for that person over the course of a year. We wanted to analyze the metrics that we were collecting to figure out what was our biggest time sink. And this, this goes back to getting tickets that if we don't know where we're spending our time, we can't really figure out if we're spending it wisely. And finally, we wanted to identify all of the candidates for automation. Like, what things could we quickly automate and improve so that we wouldn't have to worry about these same, same things over and over again? So dealing with infrastructure support requests. So this is the idea of, like, you know, when, when you have a request coming in, how, how can we actually make this better? And so we decided to have a formal policy that, you know, we. We like our, our fellow engineering teammates, but we need them to give us tickets. We needed to have a, a dedicated system. And not only would we say, okay, now that you've given us a ticket, we may not be able to respond to it right away. There's a lot of other tickets that have come in. You may not be aware of the queue that we're dealing with. And that we have agreed that we will actually give you a response on your ticket in the next 24 hours. That, like, even if we don't have it resolved, we're at least going to give a response to it and say, okay, we're looking at it. Maybe we know that this needs more information. We can post that right away. We opened a dedicated Slack channel specifically for infrastructure support requests. And that we've encouraged everyone to, like, once you've created your ticket, post it there. It will be sort of our, our public queue. So you can, you can as, a, as a fellow engineer, you can see what, what the sort of support burden coming in for that day is. Uh, I've already talked about the SLAs. And so then we also dedicated one of our team members to being on call and to be responsible for all of the incoming support requests. And the reason we did this is that we wanted our other team members to focus on other priority items, that we didn't want everyone trying to figure out how to do support. Moreover, then it's not clear, like unless you're coordinating within the team, it's very hard to figure out, oh, are you taking the support request? Am I taking the support request? No. It's your shift. You're going to do the support request this week. And that, that reduces the cognitive burden on the other team members. 
So this is the onboarding of new hires. This was, this is tiny and very small, and this is just a fraction of one page. This was our onboarding checklist for new hires for engineering. Now, this is actually one of two checklists that linked back and forth to each other throughout the checklist. So I'm sure nobody could ever get confused while following it. And that, that was painful, not, not only for us to try to answer their questions because we weren't sure where they were at, but it's painful for them as new hires that they're coming in, they're trying to join a company, they, they want to be producing things, they want to be helping create meaningful work, and, and having to go through this is very challenging. And, and so we, you know, we hire someone and then give them an immediate obstacle that blocks their success. Uh, so this is actually the local machine configuration. Account setup was done by the infrastructure team, the DevOps team, and that took roughly about two hours. But that, again, it was two hours of sort of one of our team members' times for every single new hire, which you know that quickly uh, becomes a problem. We actually went from about 150 people at the start of 2019 to just under 500 at the end of the year. Um, and then SSH access. And this was an unusual problem for us just because of how the system had grown over time. And so it starts with, you need to have the ability to commit to the repo. And then once you have that ability to commit, you need to upload your public SSH key to a specific user's file that we'd manage with Fabric. Then you'd have to ask a team member to set you up on all the different machines. Now, you might ha ask for a number of machines initially, but that, that is not a comprehensive set. Like You will not be added to all the machines in our, our fleet simultaneously. That key would then be incorporated into our Packer build in the night, and so that new machines starting the following day would have your keys so you could log into them, but you wouldn't even know which machine was built when most of the time. Like You can go through and see launch time and figure out, well, was this after I've committed and everything else, but it, it, wasn't, it wasn't a quick or easy system. And so if you needed access to a new machine, not, not new as in like recently launched, but like new as in you haven't previously used it, you'd have to ask someone else to grant you access to this. And so this was just very painful. This is not, not a nice experience to help bring people into the organization. And then we had results from monitoring. So our initial approach to monitoring, I don't think we did a great job because we decided that we would track everything in a spreadsheet. And so we would manually track all of the ticket requests and put them into a spreadsheet and try to label them and everything else. And that, this, was a, this is the result of the spreadsheet on the top left. And then on the this bottom right here, we have the, the sort of chart showing what is the most frequently requested items that we're seeing based on our labels. And so we, we were doing all of this manually through our sheets. Um, and so what we saw is that the most common thing was AWS resource requests, like some, you know, provision this, can you grant me new IAM permissions, things along those lines. And we found that this was very difficult to track, that we had trouble going back to the sheet and keeping it up to date and reading it and using it in a meaningful way. And we just had too many support requests coming in. Like the, the, just the volume of support requests coming in on a daily basis was just too high for us to reasonably track in this fashion. And what, what we really started talking about is we need an infrastructure tool. We need an ability for users to provision their own infrastructure in a way that we can trust them, that we know that the, any of the resources they create will meet our security standards and, and compliance standards. That, that if you need a new resource, I shouldn't have to create it for you. If I can create a template that you can use, or a, a, a site that you can use and uh, benefit from, that then you're able to create your own tools and your own resources so that you don't need to have the infrastructure team helping you in this direct way. That we're no longer a support team. And we're not, we're not blocking you from being able to create the tools and resources you need to accomplish your job. 
So we've come up with a game plan at this point that we've, we've started reviewing this and we've, we've, we're probably about early June at this point in time. And so we've really started tracking all of our support requests. That every support request that comes in, we're, we're very diligent about, hey, look, I see you need this. Can you please make a ticket? That obviously sometimes gets met with some resistance. And so we would, of course, create tickets for them from time to time. And we decided that we would frequently analyze our metrics, that we weren't going to just allow the metrics to, to sort of or the, these statistics to pile up over time, that we needed to review them on a weekly basis. We need to have a cadence to figure out what is happening. And is, is this you know, moving in the right direction for us? Obviously, at this point, we, we've talked about the pain of onboarding, and we, we knew we needed to create a better onboarding system. And we wanted to give the ability for team members to create their own infrastructure. So this is, this is really the, the sort of takeaway that we had from the first couple months of our, our approach of like, how do we improve the system that we're dealing with? So we improve support. Now, I, I really enjoy this graph, and it's maybe not the easiest thing to read. So this dark blue line is the number of tickets created per week. The light blue line is the trend line of the ticket request, and that sort of lighter red line is the, the number of engineers total within the company. So we started with 150 engineers, and we ended at about 450. And we'll see that during this time, we were able to decrease the support requests coming in. Now, the work didn't get easier for people. Like, this is still complex work. People still have questions. But the type of requests they're making are no longer, hey, can you provision this resource for us? Can you create this new database for us? They're able to do it for themselves now. And it, that happens later, of course, in this graph. But what we can see is that even though we have many more people in the company, we are dealing with less support because of the work we've done. And that, that then reduces our burden as a team. So that we're actually, we're to the point now that our, our support team member is actually able to spend about half their time dealing with support and half their time actually working on sprint tasks. Um, Yes, and so one of the cool facts that is that we created over 1,600 tickets in the last year and resolved over 1,700. So we actually cleared all of our existing backlog, and now when we have a support handoff, we're down to under 10 tickets carrying over on a week-to-week -week basis, and that, that is outstanding. Okay, so new onboarding tools. What we wanted to do is we wanted to create a better system, uh, an automated way for people to get access to systems so that we wouldn't have to spend two hours per new hire to get them onboarded onto the company and get them access to all the different tools that they'll need. We wanted to improve that local machine setup access, that, that, that two checklists linking back and forth, it's too confusing, it doesn't work, we need to improve that. And then we wanted to create an identity management system that would actually scale, that would actually give people all of the access they needed to all of the resources that they need to be able to, to reach. So in order to start this project, we decided to create an account access setup. And this is a uh, AWS step function that we run. Uh, so you'll see the, the step function here, and it will trigger all these other subsequent lambdas that follow underneath it. So once you have your AWS access, you'll get JIRA access, you'll get... You'll get um, GitHub access and all the other things that you'll need to access across our system. Uh, we don't run this for people. We, we have a team member from, the, so a new hire joins, one of their team members will run this for them and then they'll get an email back as well as we'll get an email seeing if there's any errors, et cetera. But what, what happens this way is that teams then are able to put people into their team without having to make another request to get us to help them. Um, and then team permissions are stored in a DynamoDB table that, that lists all of the associated groups that any person will need. And this is another way that we also ensure that people, as they're getting hired, 
have consistent privileges across teams. It no longer are users special and that, oh, I have this group access and why don't you have this group access? No, it's consistent. That we've ensured that like, if you're going to join the, the deals and collections team, you will have the same permissions as everyone else on that team. And that this is one of the ways that we can ensure that. Uh, we've deployed all this through serverless, and it was actually, it was a really fun project to create. Like, it took us, I think, about a week to do, and what we've seen is that the, the onboarding time to, to grant people access to systems went from about two hours to a little under 30 minutes with this. All right, so new hire machine setup. So the, the previous checklist was really bad, and this one's still probably not readable from your distance, but you, it, it looks like it's got a lot less text on it, right? So the first half is the prerequisites. You need to do three things in order to set up your machine. And following that, it's like four and a half steps to actually run the script to set up your machine, to have it configured for all of the local development in the way that we need it to be uh, developed. This was written in uh, Ruby and then Ansible. Uh, it sets up your SSH configurations and everything else. And yeah, it runs in under an hour. I'd, I'd say it's about 40 minutes most of the time for most people. And then we ran uh, identity management system. Now we thought about free IPA or, or other sort of known federated identity systems. And what we decided to do is we found a blog post that talks about how you can leverage your public SSH key as an IAM user and use that rather than any other system. So what we did is we, we started having our, during, during this new hire setup script, it would upload your SSH key to your IAM user. And then from there, what we found is that we're able to reconfigure SSH on our EC2 instances and have them query your IAM profile in order to figure out, like, is this key authorized, yes or no, for this user? And that would then grant access. And then we've rolled that out entire, to our entire fleet. And so this goes back to solving the problem of how do you grant access to legacy machines for new users? Well, new users would get added automatically because of the cron job that we have on all these machines now. Actually, also, so this was based off of a blog post that I think works very well at small scale, but when we're dealing with 500 users, we were seeing that it actually had a number of issues, and we had to rewrite it a couple of times to deal with just the scale of the, the number of users we had. And actually, one of the issues we had is that we were running into API rate limit calls just to query IAM so frequently. Uh, that was across 700 instances. And so we moved everything into a different DynamoDB table, and then that was able to reduce our, our API burden as well. And so that was actually another interesting feature in this process. So our, offboarding pay, our onboarding payoff. So what, what did we get from doing all of this work on improving onboarding? We went from the average meaningful time to first commit went from 25 days down to 9.3 days. So that's what, almost two-thirds. Uh, our Time for account access went from two days to 30 minutes. And then 98% of engineers were able to use the machine. And we had errors with less than 0.4% of the new hires. So Nimbus is our approach at creating a self-service provisioning tool. And so it creates standardized infrastructure resources for users based on team level permissions. And this was written entirely in Go and in the back end. We have uh, TypeScript for the front end interfaces. It's a collection of microservices running on Kubernetes clusters. Um, it automatically tags all resources. And actually, this was a big thing for us is because we couldn't identify if a resource was a legacy item. And if so, 
what team was responsible for the ownership of it. Is it, is, is it a resource we could terminate, yes or no? And who would you go to ask for about that? And so this was one of the things that we decided would benefit us. Yeah, so our lessons learned. Uh, we really think that having a ticket associated with every support request is a critical component in improving the system. Support requests, so and then by having those tickets, you're able to then identify what are the best items for automation. What, what is the most likely thing that you're going to experience or have come up in the next week or so? And is there a way that you can automate that process? Again, having these tickets allows us to identify the time sinks that where, where our time is being spent as a team. And it's able to identify the pain points for everyone in the organization, that we're able to see this is coming up consistently. This didn't used to come up two weeks ago. What has happened? What has changed? And this, this gives us a better understanding of our own infrastructure. So I'm curious if any of you have a, an idea of what the essential feature was for us to be able to achieve all of these goals. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry? Mm-hmm. It's very close. Okay. We committed to our decisions. That we, we stuck with it. And, it's, and this goes exactly to your point, is getting those metrics. And it's very painful to be consistent, to have the discipline to say, no, you, you need to have the ticket for us. But without that, without be, having that commitment, we're not going to be able to achieve the goals that we have and the, that we want to achieve. And so I think there's five things that really enabled our success. We tracked all of our support requests. We improved the onboarding experience to reduce the amount of time it took for a new hire to get into the system so that they could start working. We identified the most commonly provisioned resources. We developed a platform for self-service creation. And then we stuck to doing the other four. And that's really the things that allowed us to be successful in moving from this, this operations team that's very focused on fighting fires to figuring out how can we just focus on developing new infrastructure provisioning tools. And that, that, that's really, th those things together allowed us to move from you know, this team that was constantly dealing with tickets and support requests to now we're almost entirely focused on writing new applications. Is there any questions? Not all at once, please. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the so the question is is how do we gather feedback from support? And that, that, that that's a great question. We've done a lot of sentiment analysis, and we'll do user surveys for our, our infrastructure provisioning tool, but we haven't actually done that on tickets. And I that that's a great question because I I don't think we capture sentiment in tickets or sort of like a user frustration, and we're not evaluating that. But I think that's the, one of the things that we've seen is that we. This is not based on metrics, but w what I've seen is that users are generally happier with us as a team, that we're able to respond to their support tickets faster because there's less of them. And again, most of the time we're able, like if, if it's something that we know has been created in Nimbus that you, know, you could do it the traditional way 
or you can do it this, this alternative way. Once we're able to sort of encourage people to move to the new platform, we get a lot of positive feedback there because just the rate of development has increased so much. And so I, I think you're right that if we put a sort of like metric on sort of how do people feel about creating a support request, that's probably going to be fairly negative. But I think what we'll see is that it's, it's probably getting better from where it was a couple months ago. Yes? Oh, uh, there's a microphone for you. In, in the graph you showed where the incidents were decreasing, and the, but the number of engineers were increasing, yeah. did you have to change the profile of the people you were looking for? or? Uh, what do you mean by change profile? The, um, the skills. The skill set of the people you were hiring. No, no, that, that stayed relatively constant. Um, so we focused on hiring mostly senior developers over the last year. Um, and we were sort of in this hyper growth uh, buzzword thing. Uh, and so the, the variety of skills coming in are mostly engineers with at least three years of experience in industry. And, and so we're fairly familiar with cloud architecture and creating services in this way. But they, uh, of course, you're, you're going into a new company. You don't know what, what sort of the, the boundaries are for what permissions you have until you bump into those errors. Um, so, so those skills weren't really changing on, on a general sense, if that helps. Any other questions? All right, well, thank you all very much for attending. Si te ha gustado el podcast y quieres estar a la última en tecnología, suscríbete a nuestro canal de iVoox e y escúchanos donde quieras. Para más información, autentia.com.